Well, because it's the end of the year, our lectionary has readings that have to do with the end of the worlds. And we have the prophet Daniel, who's probably the most famous prophet in the Bible that deals with uh, things having to do with the end of the worlds, okay, and, and the final consummation of God's plan for the universe and for the human race. And uh, Jesus is speaking about the same thing here. It's interesting, he's speaking about the end of the world in connection with the temple uh, in Jerusalem that existed in the days of his earthly ministry. People are very impressed, and they're commenting how beautiful it is. He says it's going to be taken down, it's going to be destroyed. Okay, and then the chapter right after this is... Uh, the chapter where we read about the Last Supper. And the implication really is that with the removal of the temple, a new sacrifice is instituted, the Christian sacrifice of the Mass uh, with the Last Supper, with the Holy Eucharist. And so we've got this question about the temple, we've got this question about what's the proper worship of God, and uh, we see in Daniel how the kingdoms of this earth, you know, we like to think that the World kingdoms really have to do with um, securing good order and making sure that everybody can kind of coexist without killing each other and um, kind of get along and sort of pursue their own individual aims, so forth and so on. But what's really shown in Daniel is the truth of the matter is that the world kingdoms, the kingdoms, secular kingdoms, the kingdoms of the world do have to do with worship. They do have to do with worship. And it's not enough that everybody would just go their own separate ways and pursue their own private ends. But really, a society cannot exist without a common and, as it were, transcendent purpose. A society really cannot exist and coalesce and, and be unified without a supreme system of worship. The kingdoms of this world are... Uh, because they're fallen, they point ultimately to and they promote ultimately idolatry. And so we have Daniel, who has this vision of all the kingdoms that, well, it's actually Nebuchadnezzar, the king that he serves, this pagan king that Daniel serves, has this dream of this statue, and it's an idol. And it's a, it's a statue that represents the successive kingdoms of the world. Okay, and so the first statue, uh, first part of the statue is made out of gold. And that gold represents the Babylonian kingdom. And then there's the, there's the breast, uh, I think it goes silver, bronze, and then iron. And the silver, uh, it, it very likely is the Media Persia Empire, and then the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire, although there's a little bit of a debate about what the final, uh, iron kingdom, iron represents, the iron, uh, part of the statue. But the statue is an idol. So here's Daniel representing the entire history of secular kingships and rulerships and political authority as an idol. And what do ultimately the fallen human kingdoms promote? Well, idolatry. Okay, We put anything and everything that's created above God. And that's what idolatry is. And in the days of that fourth kingdom, the iron kingdom represented by the iron legs, there's going to be another kingdom, a fifth kingdom set up. And that kingdom also has to do with worship. It's very interesting. It says there was a stone that was hewn from a mountain, not by any human hands. And in the Old Testament, there's this is a this is a liturgical or worship oriented um, image. And how we know that is because in the Old Testament there's two things. When the true altar of God was built, when God commanded it to be built in the book of Exodus, 
He said you need to build it with stones that are not, um, you can't wield any tool. Okay? So the altar, when you're building the altar, there can't be any tool involved, any iron tool. It's very interesting, so it's got to be quiet. <laughs> when the altar's being built, it has to be quiet. You can't have jackhammers going on in the background. <laughs> okay, smack, smack, bam, bam, cling, cling, cling. No, no. So also, when the temple was being built, Solomon's temple, they prepared all the stones in the quarry miles and miles and miles away from the city of Jerusalem. And they carried the stones into Jerusalem and they set them in place to build the temple quietly. Okay? So that's what this illusion is. It's really uh, an illusion. This, this, this rock that was uh, not made by any human hands uh, is an illusion to the proper worship. And so God's kingdom is a kingdom of that has to do with worship. Now it says that rock turns into a mountain and it fills the whole world. Very, very interesting. Mountains in the ancient world, you see the ancient, and this is in the pagan mindset as well as the biblical mindset, for the pagans as well as the ancient Hebrews, a mountain had this sort of uh, primeval, cosmic, and religious significance to it. So the, the Garden of Eden in the Bible is actually pictured being on a mountain. Okay, that's not exactly clear in Genesis, but in Ezekiel and other passages of the Bible, it's made clear. And, uh, for example, the ancient uh, pyramids. Why were the pyramids built as they were? They looked like mountains. Okay, And also in Babylon, they had the ziggurats. Okay, So the ziggurats were like these huge mountains, and they were sacred places. Okay, they were a meeting place of God and humanity because it was like, you know, you're going up the mountain, you're getting closer to heaven. That was the idea. Okay, so they were uh, places of uh, contact with the divine. So this rock that's associated with the building of the altar, associated with the building of the temple, it is an altar, it is a temple, it grows into this great sacred mountain and it fills the whole world. Now in the days of Jesus' earthly ministry, the Jews at that time interpreted that fourth kingdom as the Romans, the Roman kingdom. And so they were very much expecting the Messiah and the kingdom of God to be set up in that day. And guess what? They were right. It didn't come exactly how they thought it would come. The Messiah didn't come with uh, guns a-blazing and chariots and armies. But he came nonetheless. And he established his perfect worship, which has now filled the whole earth. You know what that perfect worship is? It's the Holy Eucharist. Okay? And it's a fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi, the final Hebrew prophet in the, in the Hebrew Old Testament. It says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice will be offered in my name. You see, no longer is a sacrifice going to be offered in the temple of Jerusalem, in one local place, for one people. But it's going to be offered by the Gentiles throughout the whole world, from the rising of the sun to its setting. And so, the holy sacrifice of the Mass is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. It is that fifth kingdom that's set up, that has filled the whole world. And uh, it it's so important for us as Catholic Christians to understand that and to hold the Mass as the most important thing in our lives, more important than all the idols that the world has to offer us, the idols of money and sex and fame and power and image and reputation and so forth and so on. It is the true worship of God. It's the worship of Jesus Christ himself, offering God the infinitely perfect, the infinitely valuable worship of the cross itself. 
So my brothers and sisters, we really are living the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy of Daniel and this prophecy that Christ talks about with the destruction of the temple and the, and the institution of the, of the Holy Eucharist. Uh, let's, let's appreciate this anew in a very deep way and understand that uh, history is not just this random series of events and people going hither and thither, but it is the unfolding of God's plan. And at the center of that plan is Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist. And we, as his disciples, have a great responsibility towards that, to uh, promote the worship of the Eucharist um, with great reverence and uh, with great sincerity and great devotion, knowing that thereby the kingdom of God comes to the earth.